This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to my home. Yeah, thank you. It's nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here tonight. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you hovering above me. Yeah. Uh, Baby Nation, because of... uh, I know we constantly talk about technical problems and it makes us seem like a couple of boobs. It makes us seem like every other podcaster ever. Um, But we ran into some trouble getting set up tonight. Yeah. Um, And I have Jack hovering above me on Skype. Would you say majestically? I would say... um, malevolently okay <laughs> about a foot above my head i'm gazing up at him as though he was some kind of golden god mm-hmm. uh, behind him is my f- a full wall of windows so there is like a radiant light beaming down from outside oh yeah yeah that's pretty nice yeah. huh good i'll lead us through this uh this pretty hey. pretty fantastic book that we read you're the boss thank you i liked it man this is a good book I don't great. usually like these uh, teen drama books. It's like, at some point, I was like, what am I reading a Sweet Valley High here? But it was like, it was good. You know what was good about it? I kept expecting it to break bad. And yeah. Stacy to have a big fucking fight with all of the rest of the BSC because she was like hanging out with the cool kids. Or, or break bad in the other direction. And she surreptitiously discovers that her cool new cheerleading friends are actually just like pranking her. Right. Um, but instead it was more a pretty fun and a heartwarming assertion of the power of Stacy's friendship with the other members of the BSC. Right. Everybody just kind of stuck through it together. It was not good, clean babysitting fun. Cause there was very little babysitting, very little book. babysitting. Yeah. Uh, there was some Kilborn babysitting. It was just good, clean fun. In the in the tiniest of B-plots, though, our boy Pete uses that tiny B-plot to great advantage. Sinks it right up with the A-plot. Oh, yeah, and our boy... Well, so, let's discuss this. Okay. Our boy Hodges seems like he was on kind of a, a wild tip this week. Do you think? Okay. Did the... Did the scene in the cover actually happen in the book? No. No, right? Yeah. At first I thought I missed a chapter. Listen, buddy, when we talk about the covers... No, no, no. Let's not get into it now. I just wanted to ask you as two professionals... Just two babysitting professionals. Whether I missed something in my reading or if... But we can get to that later. So, Baby Nation, this is that what... the, The foregoing, what just happened, is not officially an official BSCC discussion of the Hodges cover. That is coming later. What you witnessed, what you just heard, was a, you were like a fly on the wall for an off-the-record discussion between two babysitting professionals. You just saw how the sausage gets made. You just saw two of the best in the game. Two of the best in the game. Kimono's off. Kimono's off. You can't see it, but... No kimonos in this room. They're not even on to part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just off. Kimonos off. Talking their craft, you know? Right. Talking about the trade. Talking about the trade. So there you go. That was a, probably a we real We should probably introduce the podcast, huh? Hi, hi. I like, you know what's good about this angle is it mm. makes me look thin. 
because I'm looking up. It Can I ask you a question, neck, Tanner? It pulls my neck taut. Can I ask you it a question? It makes me look thin. When you said we should yep. probably introduce the podcast, ha. Huh? And yep. then I responded, hi, hi. And then you responded, you know what the thing is about this angle? It makes me look thin. Right. What might an independent observer see wrong with that exchange? I prompted you to begin something. Yep. And when you did, yep. I interrupted you. Yes, you did it. Wow. But look how thin I look looking up at you. You like actually this. do look really thin looking up at yeah. me. It's, it's, honestly, it's your best angle. And I could never Thank have you. known that before. Uncle Jacko's been losing a little weight, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've been running out of this Austin heat. It's the oboes. Oh, God, that sounds fucking miserable. I did an eight and a half mile run in 90 degree heat around uh, what we call Lady Bird Lake here in Austin. Oh, named after Lady weekend. Bird Johnson. That's correct. President Johnson's wife. wife? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. That's a little history for you, baby nation. Hi, hi. Lyndon B. Johnson, LBJ. <laughs> Yeah, uh, normally you say hi. I was giving you the opportunity to say hi. You don't have to. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast in which I... How'd that feel to you? Good or bad? It it was fine. Okay. It was fine. It's so hard to do over Skype, sync up that club. We can do audio wizardry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard... And I, Tanner Greenring... Talk about the classic novels of Priestess... Annabelle Matthews Martin the Great, Princess of the Prince of Towns, Stormborn and Sanctified, Skinner of Souls, Bane of Bats, First of Her Name, Last of Her Kind, Last Hope for Humankind. Can I give you a little a little bit of uh, trivia here, Jacko? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, I, I think I know what this is going to be. This book was uh, co-written yep. by the great our boy, Pete, Pete Larangis. We'll get to that later during our Peter Angus moment. But I got a tweet this week uh, from Baby B Rachel at Ohio Rachel. In Twitter. fairness, we both got this tweet. Yeah, but it was at BSCC Podcast, where you can right. contact you us both and get a response from Tanner. Right. Yep. I think Jack gets the push alerts, so he sees a lot of it. But yeah. you're interacting with Tanner. PeteLarangis.com. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Chapter one in the beginning. Peter Larangis was born in Brooklyn, New York, during Hurricane Diane, the worst tropical cyclone ever to hit the Northeast. Literally, literally, Stormborn. Stormborn. Pete Larangis. That's why she picks him. To write one of these books. So you think every one of these ghostwriters is Stormborn? Uh, No, no. You know what? I don't think everyone she selected is Stormborn. I think everyone... She selected who's good at their fucking jobs. Yeah, is Stormborn. Okay, I don't think Malcolm and what's his, what's the, their name? Jonna and Malcolm, the entity the, known as the entity known as Jonna and Malcolm, was born in a storm, and it shows. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. You can tell they were born during a period of historic calm. Right, it's probably say. a beautiful day out. It was real nice uh, when when that entity came into being. Um, Nola Thacker. Probably born during a storm. Maybe. I think Ellen Miles was probably bo- storm-born. She's, she's quite a talent. Yeah, I, I can believe that. Suzanne Wayne, jury's still out on that. Maybe it was, yeah, we'll uh, it was drizzling a little bit. Right. We don't know enough about her or her writing yet. And Pete Larangis, because he knows what the stakes are here, chapter one, right? It says chapter one. Literally the first page of his website, the first, first sentence of his bio before he gets into anything else, 
just so you know, here are my credentials. You're not dealing with some fucking Johnny-come-lately amateur here. You're dealing with Pete Larangis Stormborn. 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 I want to put that right on the table first so you know. What a fucking It really makes me wish I was born during a storm. Like, I feel like I'm missing out. Well, that's why we couldn't write these books, man. I was born during a Super Bowl. Oh, really? That sucks for your fucking parents. I think so. I think. My mom says I was. What's your birthday? That checks out. Will you bleep that? (laughs) (laughs) Why? I feel like someone could steal my identity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's uh, let's look up and see if there are any storms during that during that uh, or any Super Bowls during that. Wait, are you? (gasps) All around me are familiar faces. Jack Googles. Jack Googles. January 24th, hurricane. I'll look up January 9th, 1979. That's accurate. And you don't need to bleep that. I don't think anyone's going to steal my identity. Hey, it turns out January is not um, hurricane season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem like. The hurricanes in 1979 happened from June into September. Nothing happened in January. Yeah, January's probably it's a pretty good time for no hurricanes. I yeah. just realized my parents have been telling me a lie my whole life. Super Bowl 18? Yeah. January 22nd. Wow. Do you want to um confront them about this? The Oakland Raiders were already 2 days into their championship celebration. Celebrations. So do you think that your parents were such massive Oakland Raiders fans that they were annoyed that you were born 2 days after the Super Bowl because they were still still wanted to celebrate the Raiders and not their son's birth. I don't know why two 19-year-olds living in rural Minnesota <laughs> would be Oakland Raiders fans. <laughs> well, why would they lie? more importantly, why would they lie to you about having been born during the Raiders was it Bears? Nope. Who was it? The Washington. Wait, Red you were Skins. born on Black Sunday? Two days after. You were born two days after Black fucking Sunday, dude? Looks like it, man. I'm a product of that hurricane. That was a hurricane. The hurricane was that was the Oakland Raiders' triumph over the Oakland Raiders' decimation of the Washington Redskins. Oh, fuck, dude. Of course. 1984, that was Black fucking Sunday. That's why I've blocked it out of my mind what Super Bowl that yeah. was. That's Last a- time the Redskins made it to the Super Bowl, or... It's not the last time the Redskins made it to the Super Bowl. They won two years later against the Broncos. Mm, I don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, we got a whole book to discuss here. Yeah, we haven't even told the Baby Nation what book it is. This week, Baby Nation, and I'm so sorry for all of that, this week we read a book called Stacy and the Cheerleaders. Uh, And in case you haven't guessed yet, it was written by the great... Pete No, we did say that. Stormborn. I said, in case you haven't guessed yet. Okay. It was written by the great Pete Larangis, Stormborn. It was written by two beautiful souls born in the the fury of storms. Yeah. Anna Martin, Pete Larangis. Cast adrift by the winds, but somehow managed to land on their feet more powerful than ever and pen this great novel, Stacy and the Cheerleaders. Beautiful. What a fucking beautiful novel. And I guess, since we're talking about Pete Larangis... Tanner, did you have, I don't know how to do it. 
In this Laurentius moment, I promise you this. In this Laurentius moment. I don't remember the words. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Someone had another suggestion for uh, intro for our Laurentius moment. Okay. Um, while, while you look that up, why don't I tell the Baby Nation what a Larangis moment is? Pete Larangis Stormborn is rivaled only by Anne in his ability to pen excellent fucking Babysitter's Club books. Uh, and he has a very distinctive style. He has a great sense of humor. He has a great sense of character. And he has an incredible elevated prose that I think is among the greatest prose of American writers in the 20th and 21st century. Uh, Every now and then when we read a Larangis pen book, Tanner and I like to tell each other what the moment was when we discovered that this book must have been written only by the great Pete Larangis Stormborn. Tanner, you may now read your tweet. There was something in this book <laughs> last night. The words were right. Larangis. <laughs> That's from uh, Baby B. Kara. At Caribou Barra. I really like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Baby Nation, keep those coming. Yeah. That was Give, awesome. I want a new I want a new intro tune for the Larangis moment every week. Yeah. That was fucking fantastic. We've reti- now we've done Shania. Yeah. It's retired. We've now done we- ABBA. Yeah. Retired. Oh man, I don't know. I want to sing that again. Tanner, what was the moment at which you just you learned beyond the shadow of a doubt that this book must have been penned by the great Pete Larangis? Stormborn. Okay, so I have a weak Larangis moment and then a strong Larangis moment. Okay. Can I tell you both? Yeah, do it. Uh, my weak Larangis moment was in chapter one, maybe like the third paragraph, we get introduced to a new character whose name is R.J. Blazer. <laughs> oh, what a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> and when I, as soon as I read the name R.J. Blazer, I was like, oh yeah, this is a beat book. <laughs> my official Larangis moment? Yeah. Claudia sighed. Stacy, that is a hair kink. It is not the end of the world. Many girls survive on dates with kinks in their hair. How do you know? I read a study, okay? It said that 98.2% of all single kinked haired girls under the age of 14 have reported that their dates fell madly in love with them. She grabbed my brush and began running it through my hair. It's a fact. In the Connecticut Journal of Hair Disorders. <laughs> Peak Larangis. Um, that's my strong Larangis moment as well. Yeah. That was when I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. The, it's got everything. Right. S- single kink-haired girls, the idea of a study of them. Uh, Claudia's never been that funny in her fucking life. No, it's, Claudia's never strung together a coherent like, sentence of words yeah. like that. The Connecticut Journal of Hair Disorders is high comedy. Yeah. That was my strong Larangis moment. I also had a weak Larangis moment. Let's hear your weak. I'll read it briefly. Uh, it's when Stacy is telling us for the fucking 11,000th time who the other members of the BSC are. Doesn't it figure that the quietest, shyest BSC member would be the only one with a steady boyfriend? Well, I must admit, Logan has good taste. Marianne is also about the nicest, most sensitive and caring person I've ever met. She cries at sad movies. She cries at happy movies. Logan says she cries at store openings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's true. It's a good burn on Marianne. 
I think she has maybe cried at a store opening in <laughs> yeah. these in these books. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, Gosh, I like um, gazing down at you. Hey, Tanner, how about we describe golly, this book? Golly, geez, we have not described this book, Let's either it. of us, once yet this whole episode. <laughs> oh, no one's going to know what happened. Tanner, let's describe this book. I'm going to describe the book now. Now I'm going to describe the book. You good? What? What? I got something in my face? Look how tiny my mouth is. T- Tanner's making his mouth look small. You do it. You, what? What's Mine's the point of tinier. it? Mine's way tinier. Who cares, though? Look how tiny it is. But it doesn't matter. It's not... <laughs> I've, I've seen smaller mouths. It's really tiny. You're not good at it. It's not oh, a good thing so to do. It. It's not you're, a good thing to you're be angry able to do. You're, so bad. you're angry because you're bad at it. I'm not angry. I'm, I am angry. I'm sure mm. I could make my mouth look roughly that small, but I wouldn't because it's a waste of fucking time. Now he's making a fish mouth. Tanner, I, <laughs> I want to describe this novel. Okay. Fine. I'm going to start now. Stacy McGill has always followed the rules because she believes in them, but also because she knows it's the only way to survive inside the institution known as SMS. But something about her has captured the attention of the group, a mysterious and powerful collective inside SMS who appear to be exempt from the regulations that Stacy and her friends are so careful to abide by. As Stacy learns more about the group, She is drawn ever closer into its inner circle by the charming and handsome Robert Brewster. And as her increasingly concerned friends watch from the outside, Stacy begins to understand that there's a lot more to the group than meets the eye, and that the rules aren't the only things that are about to be broken. Stacy and the cheerleaders. That's it, I finished the thing, I finished what I said. Loved it. <laughs> you're look. You're looking at me this time. It, it, normally, Baby Nation, when I finish my descriptions, it, Tanner's like deep in his computer, or like he's pulled up a some bathroom reading or something. Th- this time, I I look back into my phone, and uh, there's Tanner's eyes just l- locked right into mine. And yet, kind of. <laughs> and my yet, eyes seem really far apart. Were you just looking at yourself? Is that what it was? I feel like... Because it still didn't feel like you had taken in anything that I said. Do my eyes seem really far apart? No more than normal. Normal for a human or normal for me? Now, this is what you look like from above. Now you know. Tanner, I described the book. I did too. You didn't listen. Right. And now you need to describe the book. That's just what always happens. So why don't... I haven't done it yet. Yeah, you haven't done it yet. Right. I think I'm ready. Okay, good. Why don't you start right now? Okay, uh, Baby Nation, here's what happens in this book. Uh, Stacy encounters a boy named RJ Blazer. He's cute. He's on the basketball team. The basketball team is undefeated. They're doing very well. It's the best basketball team in Stony Brook history. RJ Blazer asks her on a date. It's disastrous. They go see a shitty movie, but afterwards they go to meet her friends, and she meets Robert, one of his friends. She likes Robert. Robert likes her. Robert and her start dating, and Robert encourages her to go try out for a cheerleader because one of the cheerleaders has been forced to leave the team. She tries out. All the other cheerleaders are mean girls, and all the basketball boys are mean boys, and they get whatever they want. They run the school like gods. Stacy tries out for cheerleading. She's not... 
she's ex- extremely good at it. She gets Jesse's help, but the cheerleaders are all kind of uh, mean dingleberries, so they don't let her in. Uh, the B plot is, oh, and then Robert quits the basketball team. B plot is that the um, Kilborn kids are fighting, and one of them wants to learn a new hobby. Time. Good fucking job. Good job. Good job. The B plot was was very minor. The B plot was there minor. There was very little babysitting B plot. The B plot was minor. R.J. Blazer is this dynamic new force in Stony Brook. He's he's got this like powerful presence. He's the star player on SMS's basketball team. Yeah, he has red hair. Did you catch that? No. Yet another. It is true that there's a proliferation of redheads in Stony Brook. It's becoming a problem. Yeah. Not because it's problematic that people have red hair. I'm fine with that. I think it's but great. there's so many of them in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Mallory Pike. Mallory Pike. All the Hobart kids. All the Hobart kids. All the Radowskis. All the Radowskis. RJ, RJ Blazer. Blazer. And so many more. Probably. Yeah. What's, what's the deal? Mallory Pike... Her entire family is brown-haired, including that luscious head of beautiful brown hair on top of old John Pike. <laughs> John Pike, what a what a what a man! What well, a, Mallory's the only red-haired one. What a mighty good what a man. man! What a man! What a man! Yeah, what a mighty good man! I was I was going there too. Do you think that song was written about John Pike? Yeah, it's not in this book, so we shouldn't focus on John Pike too much. You know who we can focus on? Uh, uh, there's a pick at the at the end of this book. Yeah. Uh, of Stacy dancing with Robert Brewster, slow dancing with him at the end of this book, and uh, he looks fairly dreamy. Oh yeah, oh he's a good looking kid. Yeah, he's a good looking guy. And Stacy, let's. I like. I mean, for a little while there, for a hot minute, you and I were really on that Pete Black tip. Yeah, Pete Black is a cool dude, really like down to earth. Robert Brewster, man, great guy. What a chill fucking dude. Fucking great guy. I. I can't emphasize this enough. I just I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with Robert Brewster. He he seemed too good to be true. He's very handsome. He is the star of the basketball team. He no, he's like a he's like a he's not the main star, but he's one he's one of the stars of the, the basketball team. He scores the game winning game in a in a hard fought, beautifully Larange's described battle of the court between the SMS. Uh, whatever their fucking mascot is, and another local team. He scores the game-winning basket at the buzzer. So he's got it all going. He's one of the popular kids. But he's also so cool. He's so, so cool. cool. He's like he's super not nice co- to Stacey. He's not into corruption. He's not into corruption. There's he wants to drain the swamp. Something is rotten at SMS, Tanner. It's corrupt. Yeah. The teachers are in on it. The teachers are corrupt. The coaches, the teachers, the students, this this boy Fox, this Fox character, oh. uh, who like follows the basketball team around and like follows their every whim and like does their homework for them, and all these teachers who like let kids out of class early because they have emergency practices. Robert's not into any of it. He's not into any of that. And then at the end of this book, like some slanderous propaganda arm of. Stony Brook Middle School publishes an editorial in the Stony Brook Middle School paper saying that, like, Robert, Robert eventually 
this was not covered in your otherwise excellent recap. Robert eventually quits the basketball team because he doesn't like... I did. I did. I think I did briefly say that. Okay. Well, he quits the basketball team because he's like not down with it. He doesn't like the fact that Stacy was rejected from the cheerleading squad despite the fact that she was the best candidate uh, because of internecine politics. Uh, and he doesn't like the fact that all of the basketball players are kind of given a free pass to skip class and like a wink wink given good grades on their fucking bad essays in English class because the SMS basketball team is so good. Robert quits in disgust. Then the SMS News and Views publishes a fucking crazy editorial. Uh, do you want to read the piece? Yeah, I'll read you the whole piece. This This is... This is disgusting. It's probably the most disgusting thing that's happened at Stony Brook Middle School in nigh these 70 books. There is an editorial, SMS News and Views. There is a spirit in SMS these days. It's not the school spirit we usually feel. It's not our incredible pride for the greatest sports team in recent memory, perhaps in school history. No, it's the spirit of negativity, the spirit that wants to tear us down. And for what? favoritism, unfair treatment, so says a certain former mediocre player who quit the team. Well, I would like to ask him, where does he think he is? The NBA? Maybe it was unfair that he missed 63% of his baskets in the last game. Maybe it was unfair that he had to spend half of the second half on the bench. Maybe coach Halverson was showing favoritism to the other players who just happened to be scoring more. But, but it wasn't enough to bring down his own team. This same mediocre former player decided to bring down the cheerleaders, all because his girlfriend wasn't good enough to make the squad. Unfair? <laughs> this is not the kind of spirit the rest of us feel at SMS. This is called bad attitude, and it's one thing we just don't need around here. I'm starting to kind of come around to this, but that was very persuasive editorial. It's this is tabloid journalism at its at its worst. Well, what do you say about this charge that this mediocre former player decided to bring down the cheerleaders just because his girlfriend wasn't good enough to make the squad? First of all, they're not that serious yet. <laughs> they seem pretty I hope, serious. I hope they get that serious. I hope so I too. like Robert a lot. Robert you know is what? great. Jack, I really hate to admit this. Yeah. I like Stacy. I like Stacy too, man. Coming it feels good to Stacey. say. Stacy's great. What a fucking what a fun. I don't know if this is just like this is just life post dawn, and we just like cling to whatever rock we can in the storm. We just need a blonde. We just need something. <laughs> yeah. Right. We just need something. Yeah. I mean, I, my emotions are all over the fucking place since dawn left. You know how many times Stacy mentioned New York in this book? Not. Not at just all. Just once. Yeah. Just at the beginning. I'm from New York. Just That's once fine. at the beginning. I'm from New York. Yeah. She ki- That's it. She fucking kills it. She kills it with her cheerleading. She's she doesn't give up on her friends. She doesn't give up on her friends. She's not like all the, there's all this like signaling where the the mean girls, the cheerleaders, the group as they're called are are like laughing at her and cackling that like oh Stacy wants to have a sleepover with the bsc oh lol she hangs out with a fucking sixth grader jesse and stacy's like you know what like she's a little embarrassed but she's like you know what these are my friends and i'm not ashamed to take dance lessons from like possibly the greatest dancer in the history of stony brook jesse ramsey ramsey right um she takes dance lessons she goes from not knowing how to fucking do a cheer to being like even the group admits it better than anyone on the cheerleading team Right. She comes across great in this book. 
and then at the end, she she so she she gets denied a spot on the cheerleading team because of because of politics. politics. One of the girls uh, has a crush on Ro- on Robert, and who would and the and the rest of them are intimidated by her, her good looks and obvious charisma talent. and athleticism. Uh, so they they say no, Stacy, you cannot be on the cheerleading team. Robert quits basketball in an outrage over this. Um, it kind of leads to this domino effect. One of the other cheerleaders, whose name I'm forgetting right now, quits the team, and Corinne from the in-group comes and says, Stacy, this other cheerleader quit the team. Will you come join? And she says, no. No. I have more integrity than that. I have more integrity than that. Um, and this is That's wh- when Stacy yeah. got me. I think Stacy's making a lot of good choices these days, and she's not talking about New York, and she's only talking about diabetes in contextually appropriate terms yeah she's, like when she needs to tell robert that she has diabetes which is why she can't share dessert with him yeah and boy is he fucking cool about that god he's so cool about it so cool so cool did there's a little scene in this this book too that i just kind of glossed over but logan just goes up to him and it's like hey you want to have a double date and he's like yeah bro yeah this dude is like he and logan are like are just buds they're just like cool buds I, like I hope that. he sticks around, man. I I don't know. I'm into it. Stacey, I'm worried about it. Stacy's been. If you're listening, Stacy, Stacy, if you're listening, if you're listening, make good choices. This guy seems like a good guy. He seems great. Sam Thomas was not fucking right for you. Sam Sam Thomas is a fool. People Sam Thomas is a clown. Is Pete Black is chill as hell? Chill as hell, and I don't know why you think that he and Austin Bentley aren't good enough for you, but that's on you. This dude Robert has got what it takes. Jacko, speaking of Robert, yeah, did you catch the um, very choice new piece of of language that Robert Brewster and Pete Larangis introduced to us this week, and maybe potentially Anne M. Martin as well? I I did catch a pretty excellent new catchphrase. Yeah do you, do you want to tell me what you think it is? Because there may be a couple. Oh, do you you think there's more than one? Well, I have a catchphrase that was introduced. As a description of Robert. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then Robert says it about Stacy later. Oh really? Oh, I missed it. Which is why I think maybe I I captured it when Robert said it. Maybe. Okay. Oh no, sorry. You're right. So Robert does say it of Stacy later. Okay. Um, which is essentially as good as saying "I love you" yeah. to her. Yeah. Um, it's like a complete confession of of love. But early in the book, um, Penny, yeah, who is one of the in group. The group cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's the one to kind of introduce us to this term, but I don't actually have it captured, so I want you to do it. Okay, <clears throat> if it's the passage that I think you're talking about, Stacy is informed that Robert, contrary to popular belief, does not like Corinne, but in fact likes Stacy McGill. Lucky Penny said. Robert is a real nine one one. I looked at her blankly. A nine one one? You never heard that expression? She shook her head in disbelief. It's like calling nine one one because you're about to die from excitement. You know? <laughs> right. I said. I guess it was a the group expression. Right. Good expression. Good expression. Robert is a real nine eleven. Oh, that's how you saw it. Well, I didn't. I didn't capture the actual quote. I captured later when Robert said it to Stacy. Yeah, but yeah, he says you're a real nine eleven. I think it's a re- real nine one one. It's huh. like to to paraphrase Penny. It's you know how like 
when you get really, really excited because there's like a cute boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. And like, and then like that excitement that you have starts to become worrying because like you're getting old and like your heart isn't what it used to be. And like you think that you might actually start to die. Right. And like the, the, the initial joy and enthusiasm that you had turns into abject fear and this sort of existential dread that like your time on this earth is, is limited. Right. Um, and that fear turns to panic and you reach for the phone and like frantically call 911 in the hopes that like anyone, someone can get there in time to save you. Right. That's what this is like. That's why it's 911. Right. That's what this okay. is like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, we're kind of in the same place. Yeah. Robert is a 911. Um, Stacy is a 911, according to Robert. So what? Do you have the passage where he, he says it? I didn't catch the second passage. Yeah. So they both have the same feelings. They both think that of each other, that they like each other so much that they might die. Well, so. That it's a fucking emergency. Stace, Robert added, putting his arm around me. Oh, I'm actually reading here. It does say 911. Yeah. It yeah. does specifically spell out N I N E dash. That's. That's because O-N-E Pete, Pete didn't want anyone to make any fucking mistakes, and yet right. you somehow still did. No, no, no. Okay, Stace, Robert added, putting his arm around me. You were a real 911. Yeah. I glanced at the cheerleader table. This was after Stacy had just finished her cheerleading tryouts. I glanced at the cheerleader table. The girls were in furious in conversation, but Sheila was looking right at me. She grinned from ear to ear and gave me a big thumbs up. I almost shrieked. It's pretty so, good. Jack, you know What? What? You're a real nine one one. Thank you. Yeah. Are you okay? I'm good. Yeah. It sounds like you're having a like heart palpitations. Yeah. Just looking at you. Yeah. If you know what you are. Yeah. You're a real three one one. Yeah. No. Uh, amber is the color of my energy. No. I'm gonna call three one one because you're annoying me. <laughs> you're parked. <laughs> you're parked legally. <laughs> um, okay. That was good comedy, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Woo! Nine one one. Man, the fucking group made me so angry today, Tanner. They fucking came after Jesse. Yeah, what did Jesse do to them? Oh, it made me so fucking angry. Uh, there's this great, great scene, beautifully depicted by Pete Larangis in the bathroom. Stacy goes to barf. Right. Um, Stacy. Um. Stacy works herself to the bone and. Uh, is nervous before her tryouts. It doesn't eat. Does her tryout? Kills it. Yeah. But like because she's been training for two weeks and because she didn't eat before, she's ravenous and she's goes ravenous. to the Stony Brook yeah. cafeteria and eats like three people's worth of food. Yeah, and then gets sick immediately. Of course. Well, and part of it is just nerves that she's not going to get the fucking that she's not going to get the part after all her right. hard work. Uh, and she goes in the bathroom, tries to barf, and then meanwhile the fucking group comes in. I can't wait for this tryout meeting to be over, Penny said. Really? Margie exclaimed. I hate having to face those girls in the hallway. Did you see Stacy today? <laughs> the poor thing looked like she was going to faint, Darcy said. Well, I don't know why she's going mental about it, Margie said. She did great. Yeah, Penny agreed. Where did she learn all that stuff? Penny asked. From the babysitter's club, Corinne answered. The rest of the girls burst out laughing. Don't be nasty, Corinne, Margie scolded. I know what you mean, though, Penny said in a condescending voice. She does hang around them all the time. No, seriously, Corinne insisted. She learned the dance routine from that sixth grader she hangs around with. Remember Jessie? From Jessie, Penny said. No way, she's too young. 
Where could she have learned to dance like that? Sesame Street? Is that your burn of the week? No, it's not my burn of the week. It's just, like, I wouldn't... It's a good burn. No, I wouldn't choose that as a fucking burn of the week. Because it's on Jesse. I, like... Like, Pete has showed us something new with this book. I've never, like, taken the microscope further back and looked at how the Babysitter's Club is seen by the rest of the school. In my mind, like, people either didn't know about it or thought thought it was cool that these, like, young entrepreneurs had started a fucking business. But it's Absolutely like... Absolutely not. Think about that, Jack. Think about when you were in middle school. Yeah. Anyone who was in any kind of club was instantly a nerd. I guess that's true. My friend in middle school, my friend Stephen and Charlie and I used to deliberately come to school early. So that we were mm-hmm. there an hour before class started, so that we could smoke cigarettes in the woods. That's cool. I think that's cool. that's very a cool. cool club. A cool club. Me and my friend um, Elliot Weiss used to um, leave uh, Weber Junior High and walk to Fort Collins Public Library and look at books about sex. <laughs> that's cool. And look at, like, pictures of people doing sex in books. <laughs> That's cool as hell. Yeah. Man, if only our two clubs could have come together. Right. We could have had, like... The- look at sex books and smoke cigarette <laughs> books. We would have been the coolest fucking dudes in the world, yeah. man. Well, anyway, th- so that th- that just struck me. First of all, I was like, don't you fucking come after Jesse. Don't you fucking dare come after Jesse. Especially after, like, the, the fucking ace performance she puts in this Jesse did a... F- an amazing job. She did an incredible job. She got Stacy from like zero to cheerleader in like three lessons. Just like that. Just like that. She's zero to hero. Just like that. Yeah. Don't come after Jesse. But it did surprise me that it's like the wider SMS knows about the BSC and maybe doesn't think it's all that cool. That was just. Right. I don't like to confront that. I don't like to confront that because they're my friends and yeah. I only I will only want the best for them. Yeah. Well, and then fucking. After all of that, Kathleen fucking Lopez gets the cheerleader spot instead of Stacy. All politics, man. Drain it's, the swamp. Drain the fucking swamp. Kathleen Lopez is unqualified from day Kathleen, one. Unqualified Kathleen from Lopez day one. Kathleen Lopez is fine. Yeah, fine. She's no Stacy. She's no Stacy, and she's no Jesse. Yeah, she's a. I hope Jesse tries out for the team when she. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want that for Jesse. No, I don't want that for nasty. Jesse. Screw these cheerleaders, J- Jesse. Already has a good thing going. She's like way beyond what those cheerleaders can offer. Stacy would be a great boon to the cheerleaders, but she's too good for them as well because she's a better person. So if that despicable burn on Jesse yeah. was not your burn, yeah. may I ask what your... <gasps> burn week! What? Was... You want to know what my burn of the week was this week? Yeah. Uh, let's find out. From this Laranja's moment. <laughs> my burn of the week sucks this week. Does it? Mine's good. Okay. Well, I'll tell you super fast. It, first of all, it contradicts what I just said because it's like one of these girls burning the fucking BSC. <laughs> <laughs> And second of all, it's not as good as that the burden that I just said on the BSC. It's just as follows. <laughs> Stacy is like talking to the group and like is like managed to fucking get it together to say some like cool shit and they're all like, "Oh, you're cool, Stacy. What a fun joke you said." Uh, and then all of a sudden like Christy is outside waving at them and Stacy's like, "Oh shit." 
It was Christy standing about halfway up the bleachers looking directly at me. Stacy, are you coming to the sleepover or not? She yelled. Charlie's outside with the van. Gulp. I could hear snickering. Someone from the group said, A sleepover? Oh, goody! In a childish voice. Do it in your baby voice. Do you think that would if be better? If there's any time I trot out your baby voice, it's this. I don't think it. I don't think it would work because it needs to be sarcastic. I can try it. Yeah. All right. Can I get a run up to it? Yep. Charlie's outside with the van," said Christy. Gulp. I could hear snickering. Someone said, "A sweepover." <laughs> oh, goody! In a childish voice. See, it doesn't work because you can't do no, sarcasm. No, it's good. No, it's good. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my word uh, of the week for some reason that's what i wrote down at the time i was like you just said a much better burn <laughs> <laughs> at the time for some reason it just seems so cutting it just it you know what it was it came at me out of nowhere in fact you said two other good burns <laughs> two other better burns because your burn from logan on marianne oh, yeah. about crying at store openings was even better than that one <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knows who knows why I threw that in my burn of the week section. Anyway, that's it. There's no going back. Tanner, did you, sir, have a burn of the week? Yeah. Hit me. You're trying out for the cheerleaders, Christy asked? Well, yeah. Is there anything wrong with that? Christy, it's not like she's joining the Marines, Claudia said. Come on. Christy turned to Claudia. I know. I'm surprised. That's all. I mean, aren't you? I guess. Claudia looked suddenly thoughtful. Maybe Stacy's having an insulin reaction. Keep an eye on her. <laughs> Claudia, I said. Kidding. Claudia replied with a grin. That's not a great burn either. That's a good burn. Cla- Maybe she's having an insulin reaction. They, like, she's kind of making light of this very serious terminal disease that she has. <laughs> yeah. This chronic illness that she suffers from. Like maybe the thing that's eventually going to kill her is killing her sooner than we thought. Yeah. We should keep an eye on this. <laughs> My other burn was your fucking Logan one, so fuck you. <laughs> that Logan one was good as hell. That's you know what? Let's to me that was a Lorangus moment, but you know what? Let's throw that in as our as our joint actual burn of the week. <laughs> okay, because you unwittingly took the best burn in the book. Yeah. Marianne cries at sad movies. She cries at happy movies. She even cries at store openings. Store openings. <laughs> Solid. Solid. Oh, you know what else I have this week? Before you continue, I have to pee so bad. Okay. You know what we teased at the beginning of this episode, but we never fucking actually described? What? If there's no one else beside you (laughs) when your soul embarks... Then I'll swallow you into the dark. And I said, uh, uh, swallow me down. Uh, uh, and that's that loving sound. We don't need to do both of them. We've I think we settled- might need to do both of them. <laughs> we settled on Death Cap for Cutie. <laughs> the one works so well, though. <laughs> All right, fine. We can do both. Um, um, I'm on this cover. Well, hang on. We got to explain to the Baby Nation what the fuck we're talking about. They know. Uh, We've done this forever. In case you're not a goddamn expert on the BSC, something you may have missed is that Hodges Swallow is a major player behind the scenes. He is the art director. Right. He paints all of these covers 
for the Babysitter's Club books. Yeah. And oftentimes he will capture a particularly dynamic moment from the text. Yeah. But um, on occasion, Hodges does what Hodges wants to do. Hodges does what Hodges wants. And this week, Hodges fucking did what Hodges wanted to do. I'm going to describe this cover for you now. It it looks like we are at the Kilborn's house. Yep. We, we've got we got Stacy McGill and who I believe to be Tiffany Kilborn. They're right. they're both identically dressed uh as as cheerleaders in blue and red outfits. Right. Stacy is yelling into a bullhorn that she's right. brought. And it's and, it, it says right here in a caption yeah. on the book cover, as like a, a subtitle, what I suspect she is yelling, which is, give me a B-S-C. Yeah. Stacey is yelling, give me a B-S-C, which is probably pretty weird for Tiffany Gilborn here, um, because she doesn't really know what the B-S-C is necessarily. She's This is just her fucking babysitter. But right. Tiffany Gilborn is, Stacey's yelling, Tiffany mm-hmm. is jumping into the air. Yep, she's, she's got, got a, a big great old grin on her face. Leap. She's got a killer vertical leap, um, and she is waving her pom poms in the air. This is not a scene that happened in this novel. If we assume, yeah, just w- one sec, real quick, yeah. If we assume that Stacy is six foot six, mm-hmm. Tiffany Kilborn is leaping a full like six foot nine inches in the air, and she's young. She's a young girl. She's like eight. She is leaping to the side. I don't think, I think I'm going to stop you there. Because I, I don't think, and I don't think anyone thinks that Stacy is six foot six. No, but let's just assume Stacy's six foot six. No, I don't, that's too much of a, uh, I'm not going to suspend my is, disbelief. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm just saying, she's, she's jumping very high. She would be in a scenario where Stacy was preternaturally tall for a 13-year-old girl. Right. It just sounds like fake news to me. Like, there... The, I don't accept your premise. There is a world in which Tiffany Kilborn has a six foot eight vertical leap. No, there's not. I th- I, there is a world in which that could happen. There's a. Po- are you talking about possible worlds? Yeah, I'm talking about possible worlds. Um, so this doesn't happen in this book. The, the B plot of this book is that Tiffany um, Kilborn is interested in finding a hobby. Her other sister, who's less important to the plot of this book, and therefore whose name I have immediately forgotten yep let's not dwell uh, on it is very good at swimming she's got a lot of talents shannon kilborn uh sometimes bsc member and eldest sister of the kilborn clan is very talented right. uh she um has a particular set of skills that men like you uh find very uh all that stuff tiffany kilborn has nothing she has nothing and she she's spends nobody. this entire book she's a talentless exploring hack. the world of hobbies right Eventually and, settles on flowers. Yeah, which is a good hobby. Sure. It sounds like some shit that Anne would come up with. Yeah. One hobby that she never experiments with is cheerleading. Right. Which is what Hodges has, has depicted. This is what here. Hodges, this is the world that Hodges is depicting. Hodges is depicting a world wherein Stacy, who I actually think never babysits for Tiffany in this book. Nope. Where Stacy instead. So Hodges took what? Pete and Anne did. And what they did was perfect. He took what they did and he was like, this book would have been better if. 
A, Stacy had often babysat for Tiffany, which you didn't do, Pete and right. Ann. And B, if the hobby Tiffany had chosen was instead of flowers, cheerleading. Right. And that's what, that's what he's depicted here. That's what he's painted here. Right. A world in which that happened. Hodges, um, Anne and Pete yeah. fucking set this up for you. Yeah. They gave you a scene in which Watson Brewer is wearing a chef's hat and an apron, and he's yeah. serving a banquet of hors d'oeuvres to the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. What you've depicted instead is a fictional scene, and frankly, not even a very interesting fictional scene. <laughs> no. <laughs> Plausible. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly plausible. But not uh, interesting. But anybody who bought this book on a whim just because of the cover is going to be sorely disappointed. Right. I'm expecting, I'm looking at this book cover. I'm expecting to read a book about a uh, teenage girl teaching a eight year old girl about cheerleading and sort of the camaraderie and uh, athleticism and the sportsmanship behind that. That is not a thing that happens. No. You know what? Stacy doesn't even become a cheerleader. No, Stacy never becomes a cheerleader. That's a fucking good point. She never has to wear the outfit. She never puts she, on she never the even SMS gets the outfit. outfit. She wears something called the Dan skin. I don't know what that is, but she mentions it about 30 times. Yeah, I don't know what a Dan skin is, Baby Nation. It sounds like something out of like Lord of the Rings. She never becomes a cheerleader. Yeah. I don't know where she got this outfit. Um, can we talk briefly about Stacy's outfit that she does wear? Her Dan skin? No, not her Dan skin. What she wears on her. Do you date. think it's? Do you think it's like dance skin? No, I don't think so. That's that would be skin? crazy. Dance skin, dance skin, dance skin. No, dance it's skin. Not helping me get to the bottom of what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Baby Nation. That's a real word that appears in this book. Dan skin. D a n s k i n. It's the skin of Dan. Yeah, that's a that's a weird one. That's a curveball you threw us, Pete. Uh, Let's talk about what Stacy was wearing this one time on her date. Sure. Technically, it's a segment. We don't have to say it if you don't want to. Claudia's closet. Stacy's wearing a plaid unitard. That's it? Sure, I can read the whole thing, but what the hell is that? My date. We ended up discussing the time RJ, that's... RJ. Robert we, Downey Jr. Yep. Yeah. We ended up discussing the time RJ was picking me up, 6.30. Our destination, downtown, our agenda, a movie and then a bite to eat, and what I was going to wear. A black and white plaid unitard with a tank-style top covered with a black oversized cotton-knit jersey. That's fucking insane. A pl- think, just fucking think about this for a second. Like, I'm no fashion expert, and... Not only am I not a fashion expert, but I don't totally know what girls were wearing in middle school in 1993, whenever this book was written. Right. I know that I have never seen. Tanner just sent me a text. It's a it's a Dan, it's a picture of a Dan skin. It's cool looking. It looks fine. It looks weird as hell. It looks if you've, terrible. If you've seen the new Netflix series Glow, it's what all the women in that program wear. A Dan skin. It's a Dan skin. It looks crazy. It's uh we'll have to describe it. We'll have to uh post post it. Well, maybe everybody knows what a Dan skin is. Maybe we're a fucking idiot. Listen, let me tell you something, Tanner. I want you to envision in your mind now a plaid unitard? Right. 
Envision, envision someone you know. If you got, think, think for a second. Think of someone you know. Put someone you know in your mind. You got someone? Yes. Okay. Now imagine they're wearing a unitard. Okay. Okay. Now imagine that unitard is plaid. Have you seen? When did this book come out? Is are we fully in in nineteen ninety three now? Yeah, something like that. I can give you the exact date if you if you care to wait for just a second. Have you seen the hit nineteen ninety five film Clueless, Jack? Yeah, because they wear plaid in that movie like it's going out of style, which it did shortly afterwards. Yeah, uh, a unitards. I mean, like. I think Brittany Murphy's character in that movie essentially wears a plaid unitard. I just I feel googled like maybe, plaid I think, unitard, and it looks great. You know what it looks like? It looks like a Dan skin. I'm gonna. All right, can I text you a picture of it? a plaid unitard? Yeah. Is is it a Dan skin? I think maybe Stacy was on the cutting edge of this. I think we're. I think like that movie Clueless came out two years later, and everyone was wearing plaid in it. All right. Oh, well, I've got a. I've got a text from Jack here. It's from Etsy. It is a plaid unitard and it looks good that's like, <laughs> but when you wear that on a romper. Date? that's more of a romper okay i don't know like, it's got is. a collar it's got a button down it's got a collar well babies and gentlemen this has been fashion advice the, i would fa- wear that on a date yeah 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 you would yeah okay well it's probably it's lucky that you're off the dating scene i've been dying not look good in that i've been dying since the romp him trend yeah took america to find a romp him that would fit a 240 pound six foot four man yeah but they just do they're not out there huh baby nation if you are um a tailor or taylor's apprentice yeah and you can build me a plaid romp him plaid romp him that will fit a six foot four 240 pound man i would be eternally in your debt and as would the, the rest of the world who would be able to gaze upon you in your glory. Um, hey, Tanner, I have an idea. What? Let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, God, I would love that. Okay, here's how we do that. Here's how we do it. Baby Nation, thank you for joining us on this journey through another fantastic novel by Anne M. Martin and Pete Larangis about our new favorite babysitter, Stacy McGill. We got nothing, Baby Nation. Dawn's gone. I'm, I'm loving Stacy right now. She's dating this cool-ass dude. She's come into our own. She said no to the bad group. She said yes to the good group, which is the BSC. Yep. She's wearing plaid unitards like it's going out of style. Right. She's, she's not talking about New York anymore. She's not talking about New York anymore. She's she's killing it. It's a reprieve for Stacy. Best character. Best best babysitter. Mm, I'm not going to go that far yet. but Best babysitter. I don't uh, hate her. This week, Baby Nation, I have been Jack Shepard. I have been Tanner green ring this week this week we read a book called stacy and the cheerleaders next week we're going to be reading a book called claudia and the perfect boy was it another book about robert i know it seems like it's another book about robert brewster it's got to be right right he's the perfect man it could be pete black but might be pete black i think we all know who the perfect boy is and it's robert brewster what a what a fucking winner (sighs) just still thinking about him maybe oh maybe Mr. Pike gets caught in some kind of time warp and ends up <laughs> at Stony Brook Middle School as like a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> oh my God, I want to read that. I hope that's a peep book in that case because that's going to be a lot of the time travel shit is yeah. going to be tough to tough to kind of get in there. And then no, Mr. And, Pike uh, too. You want to and Ellen Miles character. can't handle that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that's the case. 
We're going to find out next week. In between now and then, Baby Nation, if you could find it in your cold, stony hearts to write us a nice review and give us a nice rating on iTunes, Tanner and I would be eternally grateful. Yes, please. (laughs) Um, But also, tell a friend, tell someone you care about, tell someone you're close with, tell someone with a similar sense of humor to your own about our podcast. Tweet about it, tell your followers, be an influencer, be a kingmaker. Um, And whether you do that or not, I love you and I kiss you. I only love you and kiss you if you do do that. Okay. And you're only invited to listen next week if you do one of those things. Yeah. Baby Nation. Otherwise, you're out. Claudia is wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. Stacy, after being slightly embarrassed by being having this sleepover revealed to the group decides that she's still going to go to it, which is a fucking turn up. I thought that she was going to turn it down, but she's like, you know what? The BSC is more important than the approval of my cool peers. They go to the sleepover. She shows up. All the girls are there. And Watson is in, it's at Christie's house. Watson is in the kitchen. He's wearing a tall chef's hat and a, spotless apron he's got a rolling pin in one hand a kitchen knife in the other and he's got a big old grin on his face uh, and then on the table i'm gonna read now on the table was the hugest spread of food you ever saw sliced cold cuts loaves of bread veggies and dip and fresh fruit our mouths dropped open we were ravenous it took all i could do to keep from well dribbling you think that's a basketball pun yes that's beautiful claudia exclaimed <laughs> you made this Christy looked absolutely shocked. Watson raised an eyebrow. Hey, it was a tough job, but somebody had to do it. Christy's mother breezed in. Hey, kids, how was the... She took a look at Watson, then us, and then burst into laughter. Uh, what's so funny, Christy said. Look at all the work Watson did. Yeah, Mrs. Brewer said between giggles. He really strained his fingers, calling the deli on the phone and placing the order. <laughs> Baller's really uh, Mrs. Thomas there <laughs> for putting Watson on the <laughs> But, like, think about the setup for that shit. Watson, like, ordered a bunch of sandwiches from the deli and then, like, unwrapped them all, got rid of all the packaging, laid them all out on the kitchen table. Went went into the derelict third floor to his costume trunk, pulled out a Chef Boyardee costume. (laughs) And just, like, stood there posed holding a kitchen knife and a rolling pin waiting for girls to show up. (laughs) Just so they would think he made the sandwiches? That's some good shit. That is some good shit, Watson. Baller of the fucking week. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>